Gracious Lord, you are gracious in inviting us into truth and being confronted with truth, giving us the means to confess our falsehood and turn toward you in repentance. We pray, Lord, that tonight and throughout this season of Lent, we would engage with the sort of fast that you desire. Lord, open my lips that my mouth would proclaim your praise. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please go ahead and be seated. It has come to my attention over the last couple of days that the salient point that some of you drew away from my sermon on Sunday was that you can eat all the chocolate you want in the world this Lent for all I care. This is the point that many of you came away with. If you weren't here, and I recognize a lot of you weren't, if you weren't here, let me be quick to explain and defend myself. Uh, and if that was the key theme of Father Steve's sermon that you wrote down, my point actually was that at its heart... Lent is not about, you know, what we give up, what disciplines we engage in, or what things we fast from. Above all things, this season of Lent is about hungering. It's about longing, longing for transformation. And yet, how often do we come into Lent actually thinking about that, thinking in terms of, well, I'm going to give up this this year, I think, or that, Reminds me of the story someone once relayed to me a number of years ago now, some of you have heard me tell it, about a Catholic priest who was, let's be honest, probably getting nigh under retirement because he seemed a little grouchy this particular uh, Ash Wednesday morning, and he began his homily, straight face, he was not joking, he began his homily saying, hey, you guys who are thinking about, you know, maybe giving up cigarettes or chocolate this year, here's an idea, try giving up sin, full stop. <laughs> How to win friends and influence people. <laughs> well, humorous ideas as we come into our own observance of Lent, but a much, on a much more serious note, isn't that essentially what God was saying in Isaiah 58? We read, is such the fast that I choose just a day for a person to humble himself, to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? And then he goes on. And it's as if the Lord is saying through Isaiah, Hey, try giving up sin. It's a recurring theme throughout Isaiah. Part of the reason God sends Isaiah to his people is actually to confront this kind of hypocrisy that was rampant throughout his land at the time. The picture that we get in reading Isaiah is of a people who were uh, externally very religious, externally very observant in following the commands of God and their religious practices. But they were a people for whom religion had really fundamentally been disconnected from the way they were really living their lives, day in and day out, their real lives. We know from the early chapters of the book of Isaiah that Isaiah was sent to warn God's people that God was actually raising up the Assyrians, the sort of superpower of the day, 
and that they were going, the, that army was going to come and invade, and it was going to carry them off out of the land. But the people, frankly, didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. They thought, no, God would never let his temple in Jerusalem fall. God would never allow his chosen people to be carried off into exile. And on a personal level, they thought that since they were doing due diligence at keeping up the cultic system of the temple, bringing all the appropriate sacrifices at the appropriate times and observing all the appropriate feasts and fasts, they thought through all this that they had appeased God and would essentially keep him on their side. What they had done, really, in essence, was reduced their religion to the exact same kind of observances as their pagan neighbors. Just another ancient pagan practice. Because that was really the heart of paganism. You, know, you had whatever gods your nation had, you know, god or gods. You had the places of worship. And you had all of these different kinds of sacrifices that you were supposed to make to those gods to basically try to convince them that you were okay, right? To convince them to be on your side. To help things go more smoothly for you. Needless to say, this may have become a popular idea among the people, but it was significantly less than popular with God himself. And so we see him saying through his prophet Isaiah, essentially, whatever gave you that idea? You think that you can just go ahead and skate through life doing whatever suits you And you think that as long as you tack on this or that religious observance, you'll keep me happy and keep me on your side to bless whatever in the world you're supposedly doing in my name. Wherever did you get an idea like that? This is not the fast that I have desired. Why don't you try giving up sin? This is a good and timely word, frankly, to us as contemporary American Christ followers. Because it is frankly far too easy in this day and age to get sucked into that pattern of living our lives as prosperous or, or maybe uh, aspiringly prosperous Americans first. And then simply tacking on traditional Christian ethics and observances onto our weekly routine. But that's not the religion that the God of the universe desires for us or from us. There are no points for tacking on the right religious observances. What God desires is for his people to be completely all in in their devotion to him and to reflect his heart for the world. That's what all of the latter Pieces here. Is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke, to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your home when you see the naked to cover and when you hide your and not hide yourself from your own flesh? It's all aimed at reflecting God's heart of compassion to the world. True religion looks an awful lot like love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor, excuse me, as yourself. Now, 
This is not to say that an observance of fasting isn't a good thing. But we need to remember and be careful not to lose sight of the spirit of our fast. We're not doing it to, you know, earn points or gain some kind of leverage with God. Our prayers are not more effective if we fast and pray. We aren't just doing this because somebody in the church told us it's the right thing to do during this time of year. Or try and assuage our guilty consciences for not doing enough in our daily lives for God. We engage... We engage with fasting and abstinence through Lent, as I've said already, in order to sharpen our hunger, a longing within us to see God do transforming work in our lives. We engage with these disciplines so that our hearts can be opened and softened to the movement of the Holy Spirit. We engage in fasting to see the the chains and yokes that bind our broken hearts loosed and thrown off. That is the spirit through which we must enter this Holy Lent. This really should be first and foremost a fast from sin, an active battle with the appetites and powers that hold more sway in our lives than they ought. God really is saying, how about giving up sin this year? And his church echoes that word in her invitation to the Lenten observance. But I must also quickly note, as I draw to a conclusion, that we would be doing violence to the text if we made it strictly this internalized, personalized, spiritualized idea of giving up sin to to break some sort of internal um, bondage. This is not mere figurative language. This is not just a metaphor that Isaiah is using here. He is literally calling on the people of God to start dealing justly with one another. He's calling on them to literally release those that they hold in bondage socioeconomically. This is another great theme throughout Isaiah. The people were observing certain parts of the Jewish law, as in their feasts and fasts, as we've seen. But they were turning a complete blind eye to the parts of God's law, his standards that a Jew should never extort another Jew. If you loan money, you don't take it back with interest even. These sorts of economic justice issues were completely out the window. God's laws were given with the intended purpose that his people in following it would model a godly and just society. And it was this aspect of just dealing and righteous living that, as I say, was the first to fly out the window. That's what God is most disturbed by when he comes to his people through the words of his prophet Isaiah. Now there's a lesson in there for us as well. Too often Christ followers have earned the reputation of being so heavenly minded that they're of absolutely no earthly good. Too often that is all too true an accusation. Other times we've been criticized for holding to selective uh, conservative social stances while neglecting to seek justice for the least, the last, and the lost. 
But the call of God to his people has always been that we are to be a people who act justly, who seek righteousness in our own dealings with others, and who actively work to shine the light of truth on those areas, even within society at large, that are grossly misaligned with justice, with righteousness, with equity. So to be honest to God's intentions in Isaiah, if we are truly to truly fast and engage the kind of religion that God desires from us, it will necessitate having a, a, a physical practical, real-world element to it. This is precisely why almsgiving has always been a a traditional part of the Lenten observance. This year, give up your, you know, triple whip, skinny, half-calf macchiato, and then hold on to the change that you save and don't just go, hey, nice, I got an extra five bucks because let's be honest, it's five bucks, right? No, hold on to that. Hold on to that and see, Lord, what, what would you have me use that money for? We can help you with that as a church. As we do every year on Good Friday, we'll be joining with churches across the world and setting aside our Good Friday offering for mission. We do it every year. Every year we take a Good Friday offering. The Christ our hope does not keep any of it. We have not uh, discussed it as vestry yet, so I don't know where we'll be sending that money this year. Years past, we traditionally have sent it to our sister parish in Hanukkah, Rwanda. But if the Lord doesn't lay another specific need on your heart this year, hold on to your alms. Bring them on Good Friday. fast that the Lord requires, the fast the Lord desires, has teeth. It's not just this internalized, personalized, spiritualized thing. It's seeking God's justice and to reflect God's character to his world. So as we come to this holy season, let our prayer be that we would be people who seek to give up our rebellious ways, who seek the Lord, asking him to loose the bondages, the yokes within our own lives. And let us be people who seek the welfare of others. How about giving up sin this year? And if that doesn't work, how about give up chocolate? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we praise you that you are a just God, but that you are a merciful God. And so as we come into this season of recognizing the places where we are walking in rebellion, the places where we do miss the mark, We thank you, Lord, for the gifts, the instruments of repentance and returning. Lord, I pray that you would use this season in all of our hearts to sharpen our hunger, to reawaken a longing, to see your hand move in our lives 
in our church, in our communities. It's all a work of your spirit, and so it's in your name that we ask it. Our Lord, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.